0: I'm sorry that I missed your party. I wish I had a better excuse, but I can't even lie. You got me. I was busy thinking about boys, boys, boys. I was busy dreaming about boys, boys, boys. I was busy thinking about boys. Boys, boys!
1: Let's get ready to rumble. Welcome to Aya versus the Big Boys. Tonight's fight, a hard day's night. Hello and welcome. My name is Kevin Cookman, resident Big Boy and ringleader for the matchup of the century. As you very much know, we are struggling in a global pandemic, Omicron edition. Most of us working from home. The side effect of that. A lot more free time to catch up on media of all shapes and sizes. We all have movies we know we should have seen by now, but just haven't. Call it the canon. Call it the IMDb Top 250. Or call them the big boys. The pinnacles of cinema may be the most explicitly patriarchal artistic medium of all time. It is time for a Bro Movie beat down. Without any further ado, in today's episode and every episode... Watching today's film for the very first time, I'm joined by the titular prize fighter herself. Just a little guy,
0: Aya Lehman. Hello, Kevin. <laughs> oh,
1: no. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> um.
2: Hello, Kevin. <laughs>
1: Uh, <laughs> 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 Hello, are <ya>? no, wait, <laughs> <laughs> no. <Nope. Please. laughs> At a certain point, they all kind of blend together. I, I think I could maybe one day do a George. George has a pretty distinct nothingness to his uh-huh. affectations. Uh-huh. John is a little tricky because he. I always think that the impersonation of John is a lot more nasally than it actually is. Uh huh. And then Paul is just a nice young lad. So Paul's a nice and, young lad. Uh, folks, Kevin Cookman is not a nice little lad.
0: Paul? Is Paul
2: McCartney?
1: <laughs> is that is that Paul? Hello? Paul, hey, is, everyone. Is Paul in the room? I, I wrote another song. Is Paul here with us today? <laughs> Hi. Uh, John, uh, I, uh, you brought... Yeah, go again. Okay. Uh, I thought maybe we could do a little suck and fuck. Okay, okay. vibe check.
2: Okay. Yeah, guys, <laughs> see my mom so my mom and i watched get back or we watched like 30 minutes of get back
1: (laughs) and then immediately stopped when you saw how long it was
2: paid no attention whatsoever except for like my mom (laughs) we my mom and i have like seen a million commercials for it because the jeopardy audience is of course the same audience for get back of course and my mom every single time is like this can't be real like i just can't believe that they're real like in color like moving and i was like they have a movie in color (laughs) i don't know what to tell you yeah yeah. um several (laughs) but she's just freaking out over it and that's all i could pay attention to like i didn't realize that it was like six hours i thought it was a movie I was like, yeah, uh, we'll watch Get
1: Back. Excuse me, lame. It's actually eight hours.
2: Eight hours. So I watched 30 minutes and I was like, that's enough. I might go back. Like if She watches more. I'll watch more with her. But I personally have seen 30 minutes now. Yeah, uh, and my I, mom, my mom, like I was watching Hard Day's Night and she came and just like stood there and she was like, Yoko's weird. And I, was like, <laughs> <laughs> she's like, I just thought it was so freaky how Yoko just sat there.
1: Do we want to do Yoko discourse this early in the episode? Is this how you want
2: to d- vibe I, like, check? Basically, all I said about th- Yoko to my friend were <laughs> literally like, I was like, yeah, it's kind of awkward that she sits so close. But if like I was dating BTS RM and I had the opportunity to sit in and watch him and all of BTS right an album together. Pull up a seat. <laughs> I'm gonna sit and watch. I will sit there.
1: I do think that the ultra Yoko apologists are are just very funny. Where they're just like, okay, oh it's so telling they don't include her in any of the songwriting. I'm like, true, right? These guys who made 14 of the best albums of the entire decade. She's not a what deal. they really need is a fifth hand of help. I think that what they really need is a new breath of fresh air.
2: I don't think that's what <laughs> she wanted either, as far as I know.
1: No, that's what I mean. The, here's I, I've been watching Get Back as well. I'm like an hour into the second part. Okay, I am hooked. Okay. I am Ooh. loving it. Okay. Um. And it's interesting how, like, the Yoko discourse is happening while the relationship is also happening. Like, I-, I-, I didn't know the full extent of how deeply people kind of, like, try to psychoanalyze the two of them. But it's, like, 1970, and, like, the interviewers are asking people on the street what they think of Yoko. Yeah. And they have a very, like, precise take on Every- what- like, no, like, like Everyone very had a take. Yeah. I I did not, I thought that was like a thing that kind of developed over time, but the more that you kind of see the the, the, intense scrutiny that they went under, like, yeah, of course they were kind of hermits that like um, were emotionally codependent and then John Lennon just goes down the rabbit hole of becoming a worse and worse man. Yeah. Largely because of who he was, but also like probably even more largely because of the the, the fact that he was a fucking beetle.
2: Like all of those guys were so strange. Like, I don't know, to me, like, It only, I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. I don't know. I know so little about them and I care so little that I'm just, it's never been like a Yoko mess up the Beatles. I'm like, that doesn't seem like a Yoko problem
0: (laughs) in any way.
2: (laughs) Like maybe she, maybe it was the Whoopi and Ted Danson thing where she was like, you're too good for TV, leave cheers. But I don't think so.
1: There is that odd, like unspoken, psychological conflict at the center of that documentary and ultimately whole like recording session where like the problem isn't with yoko the problem is definitely this it's this like separation between these like lifelong friends yeah john has yoko there as like an emotional support animal essentially and it gets to the point where it almost feels like they're all they're all fine with it like hey john if you need that you need that but why do you need that and The whole like central emotional conflict of that eight hour documentary is trying to verbalize why do we all have these comfort blankets? Yeah. Why are we not just jamming like we used to? And it's like, it's heartbreaking. Like, you're watching like these ultra millionaires who are only going to become like billionaires in the coming decades. But still, like, there's this when you can make me feel heartbreak for some of the most successful people who have ever lived. Heyo. That's the magic of the Beatles, baby.
2: Well, I mean it's just like this eternal struggle of like, you know, we've watched a million movies about like the struggle of fame where it's like, okay, so you've handed in your like normal life for millions of dollars, international acclaim, being bigger than Jesus or whatever. But like you're literally watching it happen while where they're like, "Oh, we've truly given up." Uh, all the normalcy of our lives, uh, the basic foundation of our friendship no longer is, like, even relevant. Sure, let's make an album. Like, let's do what we've always
1: done. I don't know. Do you know what happens during those recording sessions? Uh, no. I, so you're probably never going to watch this, but I do think I the thing, It's eight hours. I can't get you to watch an 80-minute movie for the podcast. If
2: my mommy <laughs> wants to watch it, I'll watch it.
1: Oh, that's nice. <laughs> but here, I, here's here's what I would say to keep you going. Do you think you, you have going. the
2: same sway as my mother, Kevin? I don't think so.
1: <laughs> uh, yes, I am a man. <laughs> <laughs> so jot that down. <laughs> but w- what I would say specifically for you, like the dramatic impulse to keep you going. I need, I just, I just want to spoil one thing. Go ahead. By all means. The entire first episode is leading up to the final moment where George leaves the Beatles. He quits. And so when you watch that entire wow. two and a half hour episode, knowing that it's a focus on George and how he wants to leave his friends, opens wide open, the, the thing becomes like the best binge experience of the year.
2: Okay. Well, because, spoiler alert for the rest of this episode as we dive in, George is hands down easily by a long shot, my favorite. Why? 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 Talent. Hot.
0: Okay.
1: Okay. Charm. Okay.
2: Done. That's it. That's all you need to know.
1: That's it. All right. That's all we're getting. That's Isn't the-
2: that enough? <laughs> <laughs> Talent, hot, charm. Talent, hot, charm. That's literally Talent, hot, like charm. the key combination. The THC. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Injected into my veins. He's okay. hot. I like George a lot. I like George a lot. I love, his- I love all of his songs. I remember when I... A friend of the pod who I will uh, invoke many times in this episode, Maddie Stevens, Uh, she loves the Beatles. Very much so. Very much so. Very much loves the Beatles. And she was the one who was always kind of like, let's get you started. (laughs) Uh, And I remember telling her some of the songs that I liked. And she was like, that's a George song. That is also a George song. Well, that's a George song. And I was like, got my mind set on you. Slaps. What is that? oh, my sweet lord, slaps. I just like George Harrison. I think he's handsome and talented. And
1: Have you seen him in charming his, in his later years. Yeah, I think so.
2: I mean, like, who's as hot? <laughs> but he's still a cutie. Uh, he's Borg Paul Sybras. McCartney.
1: Is Paul
2: McCartney <laughs> is handsome, but what? Paul
1: worked? McCartney kept the same face. George's no, face. No, he did not. Literally, keep the changed. same face. Completely Kevin. changed.
2: Paul McCartney paid much, paid top dollar to keep the same face, and it is dra- physically dragging him down to hell as we speak. God bless Paul McCartney. God bless Paul McCartney. Sure, I know very little about the man. Uh, yeah, like he he's paid so much money for the fillers.
1: And good for him. And you, you know, can George, see, and good for him. George in his like elder years for some reason looks like Cosmo Kramer.
2: Kevin, George Harrison like had cancer and died. Of course, he didn't look great.
1: <laughs> it's all still the same. Cosmo Kramer's got that brain cancer chic. He's so cute.
2: I love George. Look at those eyebrows, look at those eyebrows.
1: So it's safe to say that you're a fan of the Beatles. Uh no. okay. well, not, not, safe to not, say
2: not all. even like. All a right? uh,
1: I have a playlist
2: of my favorite songs. It's 26 okay. songs long. I remember telling my friend friend of the Pod Maddie Stevens, that my favorite Beatles song at the time, like we were like when I was doing my big listen through, was "Please Mr. Postman," and she said, "Well, that's one of their covers. <laughs>
1: A lot of covers in the early stages. Hard Day's Night, the film that we're covering today, directed by Richard Lester, uh, one of the all time music films, one of the most influential films of the 20th century. This was their first album of all just uh, shit that uh, Paul and John and maybe George, but he goes in- uncredited in the film. Yeah. Uh, they all wrote. Yeah. So no covers whatsoever. Uh, all heat. All heat, baby. All
2: heat. Oh, all my loving is in this movie and that movie, that song slaps um can't buy me love rips um yeah, okay, happy just to dance is good too happy just i'm happy just to dance with you is very good <clears throat> bangers okay
0: what what,
1: what? <laughs> what? <laughs> i like how merry-go-round is like we're we lead with our music criticism and the film section comes to play. We just look at the tracks of a hard day's night and go, mm, "Yes,
2: banger, mm. banger." No, no, <laughs>
1: banger.
2: There are some songs in this where I was like, "Just get on with it." Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? Rips. She loves you.
1: She, she loves, loves bangs. you, bangs.
2: She loves you,
1: yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. so good. No, th- th- it's it's interesting how this movie tries to frame their music. Because there's, there's that whole nightclubbing sequence, sequence yeah. where everyone's just kind of just getting down. And I so would have minded like five hours of just the Beatles clubbing. But it, it does feel <laughs> odd that it's Beatles songs playing because it's like, I don't know if this was really even the mood in the moment, you know, like in, in Beatles mania, people in the UK were kind of like, OK, yeah, I get it. Let's play the cool shit. And so I don't know. I feel like they need some groovier bossa nova.
2: I don't think it's diegetic music. Are you implying it's diegetic?
1: It might be. I don't it's, think it, it is. makes more sense if it is. I don't they're dancing it's... on beat.
2: Well, Ringo yeah, is
1: definitely dancing on dancing beat. They're dancing
2: on beat, but it's not supposed to be like, we're listening to our own music in the club.
1: But isn't that what you do if you go to the club?
2: And you're famous. Isn't... If you're Usher <laughs> and you're you walk into the strip club and you're like, put on Usher. <laughs> I
1: mean, this is let me throw the, my ush
2: bucks to the beat of my own song.
1: What is truly the advantage of being famous if you do not go into the club and play your own shit?
2: That's actually very fair.
1: We are talking about Beatles Hard Days Night because obviously Get Back just came out. Yes. Everyone is talking about the Beatles again. Yeah, this Beatlemania Mania 7.0, baby. It's all happening, it's happening right again. now. The Beatles, they're getting memed.
2: They're getting well, they're getting big memed. I've seen a lot of Beatles memes. This morning, after watching this movie last night, this morning, I woke up at like 5 a.m. in like a cold sweat thinking about that NFT meme where it was like, knows what cryptocurrency is, doesn't invest in it. And I was like, what if, have they done a Beatles one?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, come on. Now you brought it up. You got to tell us who who knows and who doesn't.
2: Okay. George doesn't know, doesn't invest. Paul does know, doesn't invest. Ringo doesn't know, doesn't John does know,
1: doesn't I'm switching John and George 100%. Okay. In terms of these young boys' libidos...
2: Oh, you're thinking about them young?
1: I'm, oh, well, okay. What phase of the Beatles were you just, I'm just assigning them to? just thinking about overall thinking just Overall? Overall. Okay, yeah, I would definitely switch George and John. Then. Okay! Okay. But I'm just thinking... So let's... In this film... In that, in a similar, assigning them the quadrants fashion, mm-hmm. I found mm-hmm. Paul McCartney fucks the most. John yeah. Lennon acts like he fucks the most. Yeah. Ringo hey, is the romantic. yeah, And George is any one of the three on any given day. On any day.
2: given day, yes, agreed.
1: And so here we are joining in on Beatles Discourse. Aya, have you ever been infatuated with Beatles Discourse? The uh, The mad support they get And the very loud dissenters of the Beatles are overrated, actually.
2: Um, don't care. (laughs) Anyway, I've always enjoyed the tweets that are like, blah, blah, blah is better than the Beatles because they make me laugh and people get so mad about them. Where I'm like, yeah, I'm sure most music, most good music today is probably better than the Beatles because it was directly influenced by the Beatles. Because people are always like, "You understand? You say Carly Rae Jepsen's better than the Beatles, but she wouldn't exist without the Beatles." And it's like, "Yeah, don't you want things to continually be improving on like the greatness that has already been presented?"
1: It also kind of helps that the Beatles had so many different phases that, like, if you say you're ripping off the Beatles, it's like, "Well, yeah, they kind of gave you like seventeen different templates to rip off." From. Yeah.
2: Just as they were. I also love that whenever people go on those big rants where they're like, blah blah blah, how could you say? Like, I get those tweets about blah blah blah, being better than the Beatles, but like, really, you sound stupid. And then they're like, and then in like in like two tweets down, they're like, and yes, I acknowledge that the Beatles ripped off a lot of black artists. Like buried down below, they're like, and yes, they did um, steal their entire sound, rip off their entire sound from black artists, but it's, but you know, but they're still great. (laughs) And you're like, okay, I don't really have, I don't have any skin in the game. I don't at all. I do think that they were probably the most, I mean, I like, there's no arguing that they're the most iconic band of the 20th century that they're, you know, maybe I don't know. Were they the greatest band of all time? They didn't stay together very long.
1: Well, I guess you have to judge it by like pure capita, like what they yeah. achieved in they like achieved ten years. Or they achieved like a lot. They did even less than two years. Yeah. Well, like the fact that you can get to the Get Back sessions, and only six years prior, they're running around in black and white in a hard yeah. day's night. So crazy. Is still difficult for me to comprehend fully. Like George Harrison in the Get Back thing. Is like twenty five. That was 26? what
2: I, I didn't even consider that. And that I thought the, the beginning of Get Back was like uh, it was such a quick like. Here's the Beatles' career, and here's how they landed to this moment. Because I know very little about the Beatles, and so I was it truly like shook me to my core that they're like my age, actually probably younger. When they're recording, when when they reach that point, because like in my brain, like knowing nothing and like only seeing them as like permanently as the older versions of themselves. I'm like, OK, they were in their 40s, maybe not true, not even kind of true. How old was John Lennon when he died? I still don't know. 40. That's crazy.
1: I- I'm also with you where I was surprised that they were that young, because I guess just that much work and that much wear and tear over the course of like seven years, and that many cigarettes and that many like that much drug use, they look haggard. Like they do. Not like they, they don't look like youthful at all.
2: <laughs> they also like don't age like you know. British people don't age really well.
1: <laughs> oh God, no, 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 no. Uh, they come out being like as fresh as jelly Deals. You know, like it's. <laughs>
2: But Not yeah, a no, great it's, taste
1: when they're fresh.
2: It is shocking to see how young they are in the in uh, Get Back. I wasn't expecting that at all. Like, Ringo's and like, oh, I'm hungover. And you're like, okay, 40-year-old man. And you're like, oh, no, you're 26. Like, <laughs> what <laughs> the fuck? Crazy. Hard day's night. Hard day's night. What, did you have a question?
0: <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ.
2: <laughs> you good? <laughs> <laughs> i was getting really distracted i was like thinking about how young they were and like starting to spiral so i was like let's move on
1: <laughs> no it's good it's good i i, I like when you crept
2: bit kevin i'm 4, I, thousand know. years
1: old we have an age gap of like wh- is it 17 years
2: i think it's like 14 and a half
1: i haven't done the math in a, in a little
2: bit <laughs> i i feel every minute of my 28 years this week and so you're getting that. <laughs> Have you ever felt every second of your life at once, Kevin? Because that's how I'm feeling this week.
1: Yeah, just getting a, a bowling ball of mortality.
2: I feel yeah, I feel ancient. I feel ancient. What are we doing?
1: <laughs> I think that was like a world record for our show of you taking control of the topic and then immediately veering into like the bushes. <laughs> it's like, uh so hard days night.
2: Oh, uh, uh, Do you ask me a question? Because <laughs> I started being like, okay, well, I guess we should pivot into Hard Day's Night. And I was like, I did no transition. I did no segue whatsoever. I just started thinking about my own mortality and was like, next topic.
1: <laughs> Wait, let, let, me, let me ask you for some more Beatles context. Go ahead. One of the prevailing sentiments I've seen on Twitter, the uh, all time great site for thoughtful discourse. Of course is that for any of, like, let's say the Beatles' dissenters, uh, the response towards them is, well, it seems like you're kind of just channeling a lot of aggression for your parents. Uh, because <laughs> in, in many ways, it is ki- there is some truth in that. And the Beatles are a band that are, like, f- they are sort of family-friendly, but more importantly, it's a band that very likely your parents got you into. Like people's attachment, our sort of age range, uh, the twenty-five to thirty-seven age range. They, c- you're thirty-seven. Yeah, uh, the that was a joke. Uh, laugh, everyone at home.
0: Ha! <laughs> the
1: main appeal of the Beatles is not so much like like the David Bowie effect, where it's like, oh, it's this cool dude who made awesome music through the seventies. It's more like my mother would sing me "Hey Jude" when I was taking a bath.
2: Aww, like it's almost like so a cute.
1: more lullaby sort of nursery rhyme <laughs> like i knew about these guys since i was a baby because yeah. this is just the music that they play for babies yeah which seems like a backhanded compliment but it's really just kind of a, uh, a like a prevailing statement to how this band has lasted and how just like sweet and docile and comfortable all their melodies feel did are your parents beatles people are these pe- Are is this a, a band that you were kind of like besides just like maddie were other people trying to get you into the Beatles? It's like, oh, this is music.
2: So my parents are very old fashioned. It's very cute. Um, they have this radio show. It's like L.A. radio show that they're obsessed with. A channel, a whole channel, basically. If you live in Los Angeles, it's 88.5 FM. They love it so much. It's like listener supported radio. It's very sweet. My parents, they're obsessed with it and they know all the DJs and they know all the DJ's time slots and they know all the DJs themes. They have their favorites. They like we t- went on a family trip uh right before the pandemic started and we listened to uh just like the full we would find we found like old recordings, like archived radio shows of this radio of this station and listened to them on our drive. It was very sweet. They're very cute. Uh every Saturday morning, um, my mother, uh, comes to say goodbye to me as she, like, goes out for her little, like, walk or whatever. And she play she turns on the radio. She says, Alexa, play this radio station. And every morning before.
0: She's talking. Fuck, she heard me. That was, I was so quiet. Alexa,
2: stop.
1: This is the worst. Oh, my God. She Jeff never Bezos hears anyone else. Balls-os. She only
2: hears me. Um, anyways. She'll come into my bedroom. She'll say goodbye to me. It's between like 9 and 10 a.m. Every morning, she'll tell the radio station to turn on. Every single morning, she goes, ugh, Beatles hour. (laughs) 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 Every single week, she says, I can't stand the Beatles hour. She hates it. She hates the Beatles hour. My parents do not care for the Beatles. They both agree that George is the best, which I didn't find out until after I decided that George was the best. (laughs) Uh, they, they don't care about the Beatles whatsoever. I actually, I genuinely do think at a certain point they actively dislike them. I was not raised on the Beatles in any way. The only Beatles song I knew was Here Comes the Sun because it was on the Parent Trap soundtrack and sometimes my dad would sing it to me, like you said uh but otherwise like no beatles inspiration here whatsoever this girl i was friends with when i was in seventh grade and she was in eighth grade was a big beatles fan and tried to get me into it i was like the only beatles song i like is twist and shout because it's in ferris bueller's day off (laughs) which is funny because paul mccartney said he didn't like the way that they orchestrated it with like the band which is like one of the best things that could (laughs) have happened to that song Anyways, no, I know very little about the Beatles. I I feel like my family has made it their business to keep me from knowing anything about the Beatles.
1: So this mother that you were referring to at the beginning of the episode, is that like a different person that I don't know about? Like, what are you talking about? That's you... why she
2: was shocked that you could see them in... Uh... <laughs> In color because she was like, I don't care about these
1: guys. Oh my god. (laughs) But she's been she has
2: been very hyped to watch Get Back. (laughs) I don't know why she doesn't like the Beatles.
1: You just threw a what is this fucking M night Shyamalan twist, bro? What is What the fuck? (laughs) So what you're saying is that when she was impressed by Get Back and like magnetized towards it, it wasn't because it was high quality footage of the Beatles. It was just high quality footage of just 1970 old people. Yes. (laughs) Oh my god. Yeah. Okay.
2: Very funny to me personally. So
1: why was she? So why was she staring at Hard Day's Night when you were watching it? Just because it was.
2: She just like did not understand more old
1: footage of older people. She just
2: didn't understand it at all. She was just like, "What is this?"
1: (laughs) Oh my god. Okay, threw me for a loop.
2: Gotcha. Gotcha.
0: So no sentimental attachment to the Beatles? No. Okay.
2: Again, Here Comes and the Sun, banger.
1: <laughs> <laughs> One of their worst songs. But <laughs> what are you talking about? It's a beautiful song. I think I got put off. There's like a really shitty cover in uh, a bee movie, the Jerry Seinfeld thing, uh, where they the bees all work together to pollinate the dead flowers. And there's like this like Sarah McLaughlin type cover of Here Comes the Sun.
2: You there's said a, there's some a... of the most upsetting things I've ever heard in my entire life while recording this podcast, and that might take the cake.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing with the Beatles is <laughs> that, that was like,
2: such a bummer, Kevin.
1: Yeah. Hey, buddy. Look, it, it 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 marked me. It marked me. Can I choose that? No. So, how about you stop trauma shaming me? All right. Okay.
2: <laughs> stop trauma dumping on Ivers as the big boys.
1: Oh, okay. That's your. Re- <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> The I will say this about the home. Beatles. I will say. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> no, go ahead. Get your get your bar off.
2: <laughs> the good listener at home does not need to hear you trauma jumping about Jerry Seinfeld this episode. That's your second second time you've referenced Seinfeld. <laughs> Which I do have more of an emotional attachment to
1: than the Beatles. Yeah, what are you talking about? <laughs> What are you talking about? You speak in Seinfeld references. What a what a what a show! I'm just I'm just code switching for you. Okay, that's what I'm doing today. All right, <laughs> trying, I'm trying to, to make you dialogue feel I more can comfortable. All right, I'm trying to yoko your my way into making sure you feel nice in this podcast. Thank recording. you,
2: thank you for being my security blanket, Kevin.
1: <laughs> yeah, man, that's all I do. That's that's the best. That's it. Uh the Beatles. I don't like how childish so much of their music became (laughs) like the second phase of Beatles where they like stop touring so they can just focus on recording. You get some transcendent music. I think Penny Lane is one of the greatest songs ever made bar none, probably even like top 10. It is just so full of everything you would ever want of anything to ever come into your ears. Okay. And then there's uh, all you need is love, which is Fuck me, you know? Just yeah. I, I, get this corny ass bullshit out of here. Pa fuera. No thank you. Uh, and so, th- yeah, it has it, it, it always been odd in like how cutting edge they've been received mm-hmm. mixed with how like completely infantile some of their biggest hits were.
2: Yeah. What's your favorite Beatles song? What kind of, what is, is it Penny Lane?
1: penny lane's incredible but there is one song in beatles rock band that i loved i love to play this song beatles rock band band, of course uh the beatles uh infamously kept the rights to their songs very tight to the chest were not available on streaming services until very very recently uh and uh when the rock band the famous video game series from 2007 onward was like hey We'll pay you a shit ton of money if we just get your whole catalog for a game. And Sir Paul McCartney was like, oh my, sure. And uh, you got Beatles rock band. <laughs> right, it was dope. Okay. You, you, the, the guitar controller looked like Paul McCartney's bass. Like it had that like brown, like, you know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm yeah. talking about? Paul McCartney's bass. Yeah. And they had like Ringo's drum set. You know what I'm talking about? Ringo's sure. drum set. It had like, a, like a, a, a canvas front that said the Beatles. You felt, you felt like a Beatle. Okay. And Aya. Yeah. I would 100% on any instrument every time. Our Georgie boys, Do You Want to Know a Secret?
0: Oh, okay.
1: That song is just like pop perfection. When the Beatles were like in their mod rock, like suits and bowl cut era, I'm glad they grew past it, but oh my God, they were hands down the best to ever fucking do that. In a sea of imitations, they were by far, they were never trumped, not a single time. Even just on the power of Do You Want to Know a Secret and I Should Have Known Better. Those are two, I think, of the five best pop songs ever made, period.
2: I'm looking at the lyrics to I Should Have Known Better. I, I,
1: know I should have known better with a girl like you. Oh, okay. I'm familiar. And I say everything that you do. I do. Think I, it's... do...
2: Uh-huh. I do think it's very funny. It's just like you saying, like referencing... B movie and rock band and me referencing Ferris Bueller's Day Off and uh, Parent Trap. How like the ways that like these this like these iconic artists, the like I said, the greatest band of all time <laughs> have have <laughs> permeated the culture and like that's how we found out about like this. You know, <laughs> like sure some people were like, oh my parents started like started doing this for me very early on, and I'm like, no no no, my dad played me Dream a Little Dream of Me. Uh, I heard about the Beatles from Nancy Myers is The Parent Trap.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I think I, I love that you just brought that up because that was something I was thinking about in A Hard Day's Night because uh-huh. sort of like the central, um, the thing that's keeping the band from being their happiest selves all through this movie is that they really are just going from train to small room to stage to car And then back on the train, and just do that cycle again. Yeah, like I think there there was like an interview uh, that that one of them was doing where someone asked like, "So how was Stockholm?" And I think uh, John Lennon literally just said what I just explained. And there's like a a degree to Hard Day's Night that shows like the misery of their success in that like they're not really. If you go to a Beatles show, you're kind of experiencing more of the moment than the Beatles actually are. And every time they would go to that TV stage, which is where I think the movie kind of slows down in large part because I think they ran yes. out of money. Yeah. Uh, they don't really have much <laughs> more of a, a budget to like go do more hijinks. Yeah. Uh, and it, it all kind of slows down in that bit. Um, and it makes you kind of think about like, why do they have to do a TV show if they're this famous? Like, you just think about like ultra famous people like vying for like shoe sponsorships. And, like, being on on cereal boxes and how ultimately this is what makes them, like, accumulate more wealth. But it does kind of cheapen the legendary image in a big way. Like, if they are this readily accessible and this easily bought, then are they really that exclusive? You know, if you can just listen to Beatles in B-movie, in Parent Trap, and all this dumb, in, in, like, video games... Does that, only, does that spread their influence, or does that cheapen the overall effect of the quality of the music? Yeah. Which I did not expect this movie to bring up in any which way or form, but hey, it does!
2: I mean, it's, it's like the, the boy band conversation. With One Direction, they... Did basically that, but they burned out so fast because they were like, and you can see it in their movies, which are not narrative. They're like documentaries (laughs) where they like shuttled from place to place. They have to get in like a bread van to be snuck out of a hotel to be driven to like a tourist site. And even then, like all of their security guards are like pushing people off of them so that they can enjoy for two seconds like a, a thing in Brazil. Like, that's it, you know? And then and they have to get back into the van and go back to the hotel, go back to rehearsals. They do the concert and then they're on a bus or they're in a plane or they're in a hotel room and then they're, sh- and then they're woken up at, like, three in the morning after performing to record their next album in, like, a makeshift recording booth with, like, a mattress against the wall. Like, there's a scene where Zayn is, like, woken up and they're like, can you go, can you go do this like, little part of your next single? And you're like, he was just... <laughs> stage like two hours ago what the fuck and it's like it's it's such a it's so hard to like watch those things and be like damn why do i feel sorry for one of the most successful people in the world right now you know and like bts has a great song about it honestly it's called airplane part two highly recommend but it's it's just like a weird like them constantly being like is this like is it worth it the entire time because it's like this is my greatest dream but like is it worth it the be- i mean to me the best part of hard day's night is when they're like running around in that field it's so cute We're the- but that's like the that's like the only joy they can find is like ditching their jobs to like go do the most childish thing you could imagine vibe in a field together it's so sad
1: well it's also it that that segment is like a great combination of them running out of money but then also wanting to embody why they chose director Richard Lester in the first place. Mm-hmm. Uh, Richard Lester is a, an English director who came up alongside Peter Sellers, uh, and they were kind of like buddies, um, but his first film was called The Running, Jumping, and Standing Still film, which is <laughs> a an 11-minute short film of just Richard Lester, Peter Sellers, Spike Milligan, and a couple other people uh, running, jumping, and Standing Still. Love. Uh, it is like this completely experimental piece of like physical movement of both the subjects but also the camera. And that it, 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 it's like an 11-minute short thing that's shot on uh, Peter Sellers' personal camera that then gets accepted into a festival and is then nominated for an Oscar just on a complete lark. Uh, and it was that film that Lennon and McCartney, they watch and when they're asked like, with like, okay, we want to make a Beatles movie. Who do you want to make it? They go, we want the running, jumping, and standing still guy. Wow. And that's how Richard Lester gets this gig. Just an 11-minute experimental piece of movement. Um, and so it, in a way where like, that is sort of like a sadder moment of just them having any sense of freedom in their day-to-day, minute-to-minute, high-pressure doldrums, that is kind of the moment that they are like most hungry to shoot. Every all the bullshit they were doing on the train, on these big set pieces, obviously they look like they're having fun. Yeah. Uh they're very good performers. Uh, but it's like that moment of just such purity where they all get together and do what they actually wanted to do with this movie in the end. Yeah. Which leads me to a, a great big question, Miss Aya Lehman. Hey. Hard Day's Night, a legendary film, 1964. Folks love it. Did you love it? So
2: <clears throat> friend of the pod Maddie Stevens. I told her we were doing this. She was very excited. She asked she said, "Oh, are you doing Help like I want to be on the Help episode?" And I was like, "No, we're doing our Days Night." And she was like, "I and again, this is the person I know who loves the Beatles the most. The most. Regularly cries over them. Sorry to expose you Madison." And she was like, "No, I've never made it through that one."
1: <laughs> oh my god. What the fuck is She's wrong? Fallen- what?
2: No, I fell asleep. I fell asleep so hard in the middle of this movie, I thought I time traveled. I woke up at like twelve fifteen oh a.m. and I was like, I time traveled. She's made it through. She just falls asleep every single time.
0: And has to restart. It was
2: incredibly dull. In in moments, it was incredibly fun. In other moments, I uh, knocked out harder than I. <laughs> knocked down in a long time (laughs) in a long time
1: oh god are we gonna do the fucking late millennial hates old movies thing today is that what we're gonna do is that what we're gonna do buddy i was just
2: tired and it was just like a little slow at parts i don't know it was like this movie
1: so if anything this movie's too fast too much too much happening
2: don't be like this
1: (laughs) too much happening i think you're fucking high as shit you're high off your fucking head
2: I I don't know man. It was just a little a little rocky for me at points. Overall, I had a nice time. Uh-huh. Overall, I enjoyed the music. I enjoyed Ringo's little stint where he went missing. That was very that was such a cute scene. I loved that. It was really funny. And you know I don't like child actors, but that kid was great.
1: Who Ringo? You're the child. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Got him. <laughs> It was just, um, yeah.
1: It was just, yeah.
2: You know, it was just not. It, was, it didn't hit me. It didn't hit. But it was cute. It just didn't hit. And I'm sure help will hit more.
1: It does not. I'll tell you that. Really? She
2: told me it was great.
1: Uh, well, it's, it's help is very different in that it's, it's like a spy mystery, like magic movie that the Beatles happen to be in. Love. Whereas a hard day's night is very much like, we're gonna like not have a tripod. We're just gonna run around with this camera. We kind of have a script, but you guys just kind of like do your thing. If you have a bit, we'll try it.
2: (laughs) You know, (laughs) let's just see what happens. I'm sure if there was like a BTS hard day's night, I would be feral for it.
1: I don't think BTS could ever have this movie. Ever. Ever, ever in a million. BTS One Direction. There is no other act that is trying to do the Beatles that is comfortable enough in their PR appearance to ever have this amount of, like, gonzo freedom, I think. (laughs) This movie could have gone so wrong. I watched very recently the Pete Buttigieg uh documentary on Amazon. Okay. Called Pete,
2: Psychic damage. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: which stars Liz Smith, who uh is in the news right now because she uh very pub- uh, very uh publicly privately tried to help Quiz Cuomo and Andrew Cuomo out with their whole uh you know s- sexual harassment case. Uh she also uh, did not know that people can store deleted tweets, so when she told the Cuomo campaign uh, to delete everything that's ever attached to me too, and the staffer went don't you think people will notice she went uh of course not people don't keep track of that. Are you fucking psycho? get on Liz Smith anyway she's a main character in the mayor Pete uh, documentary because oh she's of course Buttigieg. Uh, uh she was his uh comms director she basically made that freak what he is today, but there is Basically, the whole central problem of that movie is that it is a puff piece, and even though it is a puff piece for Buttigieg, it makes him look worse than any fucking leftist commentator online has ever made this man look.
2: The sequence, I only saw the screenshot of their date night at, like, DQ. <laughs> Free chest. We can,
1: eat, we can eat the ice cream first. Yeah, it's it's date night. <laughs> Ah! I love cinema baby I love cinema Sad. and the craziest thing is something like a campaign as manicured and completely like robotic as the Pete Buttigieg campaign that they would even allow this movie to be made with the chance of making him look bad is baffling like it is a key part of just like okay your ego got the best of you you thought you could get like uh, like a, a Barack Obama behind the scenes, look at the star making a path of the next great politician. When truly, in most scenarios, this type of movie where you try and get some sort of like national star into people's homes to see what the real them is like, most times the real them, Oh thanks, bad, you ruined the act. You ruined everything. The Beatles kind of got off in a big way Because at the time, they were just four little lads, you know? Like, they were just four dudes who just happened to get really fucking famous. And it was, their cute appeal was on par with people being like, wait, why these guys? And that sort of, like, mixes together into this incredible alchemy of how they get to be the biggest band of the 20th century. BTS... And One Direction.
2: I'm not the, saying the that very I think fact
1: they could that these do, groups.
2: I'm just saying, are, I'll, mm-hmm, literally, all mm-hmm. I meant by my statement was: if there was a movie of BTS goofing off, I would love it. I'm not trying to say they could
1: go recreate Hard Day's <laughs> Night right now. No, but what I'm saying is that I don't know if they can even be given without a camera the room to goof off. You BTS, know I mean? no, like- they're not
2: allowed to. I think, I mean, this is crazy, but I do think that in terms of the Beatles' earlier days and just, like, the sheer charisma, I do think of the, like, recent boy bands, One Direction was the closest. Justin, uh, and, and, and like, were they as talented I'm not getting into that. I'm, I just I mean, sheerly in terms of, like, the, their spirit, the pandemonium, the, like, you know, just, like, the general, like, almost, like, crowd, <laughs> grassroots fandom where, like, sure, they were on X Factor, but, like, the way that, like, they could have just been another act on another singing reality show, but the fans went, like, so insane over them just because they were because of their charm and like their the way that they interact with each other it i feel like is and then and then like the the following like movies that came out about them and things like that and just like the dumb shit they did i think is the closest to what Beatlemania was in the beginning not like the later but like i mean I think even Paul McCartney agrees with me because he interviewed Harry Styles. and was like, yeah, you're like on the track, bud. Yeah. (laughs) But it's just like wild, you know, and like, I don't think they're all as talented. If they, maybe they were Uh, all as talented, maybe we could have had more. But like, I think that them giving it up too was like the best idea they could have made. Unfortunately, uh, hard for me, but it was the best choice they had. Um, But yeah, that's just. So, like, as much as I, like, I agree, like, there's, like, there, but there, there was no, like, PR teams back then. Now there's a PR team following everything they do and being like, please stop. And, like, One Direction at the beginning really didn't have that as much. And so, like, in their earlier, like, vlogs and shit, like, the random stuff that you'd find on YouTube that has, like, now millions of views, where it's just them sitting on the stairs talking, like, they were basically trying to, like, their team was trying to make people forget that after a while. Because they were like, oh my god, these kids were just like talking and doing shit without like anyone telling them no. When in reality, that was what endeared them to us, uh, me, a directioner, so much. <laughs> and so, and I think so. I think like the general like model for boy bands now is the antithesis of what the Beatles were, which is funny because they're trying to be what the Beatles were, but the way that they, the management and like PR teams. And like, just their handlers deal with things is the exact opposite of what they were going for, and why they were successful. Which is why I think One Direction, it was was successful, and then fell off. RIP, One D.
1: Yeah, I mean, One Direction and and, and BTS, but I guess mostly One Direction. It does remind me of like a Jurassic Park situation. Yeah, (laughs) where you're just trying to clone it in a lab, and then it just runs amok, and then you're just like, all right, I guess we got to just leave the island. Just you know yeah dinosaurs on the island we'll just leave it be i just think like what i
2: like the most about what i like about the beatles and what you've said is that they were like not they were not manicured they were not you know they were scrappy and people just were like endeared to them so much because they were just kind of like "Eh, we're just full lads having fun and like that's why people liked one direction because they were just like Five guys from the UK who accidentally got famous because they just like went on a real like a stupid reality show and were just like I'll try this out and everyone was like No, this is perfect and then even BTS to an extent where I know like K-pop is a completely different beast that is almost not even worth comparing but people do like BTS so much because in the beginning they were such underdogs like they were like fighting like their company was like (laughs) like a tiny lame company in compared to the other huge k-pop product production (laughs) companies basically like that's basically what they were and so they were like fighting for spots on like reality on like award shows they were fighting to like be even featured in like their music videos and like their music videos featured on like tv shows and stuff so like i think what people are drawn to so much is the like we're just seven five four guys who are trying their, their best to like Like, they're really into, like, an underdog story. They're really into, like, scrappy guys. And I think that, like, again, like, the model of this, like, beautiful, like, put-together thing is, like, not... Where I think the Jonas Brothers and, like, NSYNC and, like, the Backstreet Boys were more, like, we're put-together. We're, like, this gorgeous, like, thing that was being packaged and marketed straight to you is... And then to some other K-pop groups are like that, obviously. A lot of them are like that. Where, like, BTS is kind of like that now... But in the beginning, the reason that they became so insanely famous is because they were just like seven guys who were
1: trying. I think like in retrospect, the Beatles arc is to me like more not sympathetic isn't the right word. I don't even know what the right word is, but like that they're thrust into this and they have a manager that is savvy enough to understand how to stack success on top of success on top of success. The point where they're selling out Shea Stadium, they're selling out Tokyo Stadiums. Like, basically, and of course, like, I, I just got a big props to the 12-minute intro of Get Back that we talked about earlier. Yeah. I was so stunned by how all-encompassing and thorough it yes! was in such a short amount it of time. It told me everything. Oh my god, so fucking some of the best editing I've ever seen, some of the best, like just teaching I've ever seen. Uh, anyways. <laughs> But, like, when their manager dies and that kind of, like, spurts a, a a new era for that group, which is, you know, for better or for not, they get into a more musically free realm. They also start disbanding at that same moment with no clear, like, glue keeping them together. Who's to say what that glue would have been? Uh, if the glue would have, like, produced, like, the late period works that people love so much? Who's to say? But I think the reason I'm so into them is just, like, Paul McCartney's 70s sort of prove to me that they were naturally talented and that they really did have, like, the music in their heart from the get. Like, yeah, they probably loved all the drugs and the fucking. I would as well. But there's, like, an element to, like, I'm comparing, like, Harry Styles' post One Direction to Paul McCartney and the Wings Mm -hmm. and, like, going to, like, what's that, like, Watermelon... uh, Kiss, Watermelon Sunday, watermelon lips. <laughs> I watermelon. It out. Soda, watermelon I like water- spritz.
2: I like watermelon Sunday the best.
1: <laughs> okay. Great Dom Kennedy song. Uh anyway, the fucking watermelon Harry Styles song. Compare that Hot, to like watermelon fucking. Sugar. Fuck sugar. I knew it was an S. I'm oh God, I'm so mad. I don't know. I'm just I'm comparing watermelon sugar to Paul McCartney's,
2: Time.
1: Well, that was like a year after like, of yeah. let, let Me Roll It have you heard of let me roll it no. okay it's 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 coming up again because licorice pizza used it okay and it's like it it fills your whole body with this heavy bass and guitar riff it's like it just it's an otherworldly experience and you're thinking like this dude it, it, it's like a jam song that became a hit single and I'm like paul mccartney did not need to do this <laughs> like paul mccartney could have just gone in his post beatles path of just looking at all the hundreds of songs he wrote when he was 15, 16, 17, and gone, you know what? I'm just gonna make these. That's it. And just live a whole life of just getting mad stacked, mad caked up on just C-tier Beatles songs. Some could argue in the 80s he did. (laughs) You know, 90s he kind of did. But for that 70s through like early 80s run where he's still trying to reinvent rock and roll, That is like a sense of ambition that you can also very clearly see for me in A Hard Day's Night where these guys could very obviously make any number of sort of like Dean Martin, Jerry Lewis studio comedies where it's incredibly staged. uh, They have their bits uh, cleared by a a number of like comedians they bring on set, but that they very punch up
2: up writers right there. (laughs)
1: Exactly, like Punch-Up Writer's on set helping them out, which they may have had, but you would never be able to tell with how fluid and impactful the whole movie feels. Like, there is a, a sense of freedom to A Hard Day's Night that endears me to the rest of their music and makes me want to enjoy more of their shit more than just the legendary status stuff. Like, I think the the, the big thing that, that makes this movie work for me, which I, I understand your qualms with it, because there it is very easy for this movie to turn into noise. yeah, It's like, it just, okay, all right. It's just like, kind of like, it's black and white static of four little English boys having a fun time. I kind of get it. And you're right. That is the movie. It is four little English boys having a ball. You don't really need to stay tu- in tune for like 82 minutes. Mm-hmm. But if you do clue in for 82 minutes, if you really do focus for this 82 minutes, it is a joke every five seconds. It is a movie. Oh, they yes, just bawling. Oh, my God. They are lulling, uh, lamowing, raffling, even. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> but I think what what makes this movie so formally impressive to me and what makes like Martin Scorsese tout Richard Lester as one of the key cultural voices of the 1960s is the fact that this is a movie, obviously, about the Beatles' impact in pop culture, but in trying to convey that impact, the movie itself is like thrusting itself at you. it's the camera is being tossed around. There is no clear uh sort of like narrative uh through line here. It's just look at the Beatles, look at how they are interrupting all these everyday social scenarios. They're not like they're not anarchy. It's just this playful, almost like there's this Czech movie called Daisies that came out a few years prior, or maybe the same decade. And it's this same sort of like level of they're not burning down London, but they are infusing a sense of joy and, and, like, innocent panic that is very, very welcome, and there is no, like, sense of character development. There's none of that. You know no. the Beatles as well as you, well as you do. <laughs> and you don't want that. You, knew, you know the, the Beatles as well as you do at the end of the movie as you do at the beginning. And you know what? Perfect. That is what myth-making is, Mother Fuckers! the movie's just like pure impact and it's a movie about impact and uh there you go professor here's my paper
2: here's my paper i mean it does like beautifully like they they do such good work just being charming the whole time like as much as i was kind of like i'm a little tired kind of can't get through this scene like they're being so they're on the whole movie you know like there's never a moment where they're not like serving. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Like they're always, they're always on and they're always charming. But that's like, like I said about One Direction, like that's what was such a huge part of their impact was just like they're fun guys. They're so talented and fun guys.
1: Some fun guys uh who whose major ambition was looking towards the future of pop and rock while making a film that uh we can all argue uh for better or for worse. Uh main goal was to commercialize uh French New Wave aesthetics.
0: Hey. Uh, a very political
1: oh. uh, a very political and radical filmmaking technique turned into a music video for a boy band. <laughs> <laughs> and oh that. So I'm all about
2: actually. <laughs> so you know what? Never mind, take it back. Hard day's night rules. <laughs>
1: There we go. I just got to turn it to the French and you immediately got bagged. Immediately into it.
2: Baguetted. I got all baguetted up.
1: <laughs> uh, this movie's like crazy and free-willed uh, in a way of just like, obviously, you know, you're watching the four boys have, have a little fun. But just like, the moment that also stuck out to me is like when they get in the car after they get off the train and you have the, the scores of people chasing after them on foot. This is a movie about the biggest band on planet Earth. And you got these little tiny children like almost getting ground up by the tires <laughs> right. of these vehicles. So scary. <laughs> it's like there's like it, it, it's a very odd thread of violence. There's also like other small tiny fun bits of violence. Like, look, I love watching a woman fall down a hole. It's <laughs> that, very funny. Oh,
2: I <laughs> shouted. That was so funny.
1: A classic bit, a a good uh, uh, you know, repeat it three times, and it it, it's gonna be the greatest every time. time. (laughs) (laughs) Almost kills a bird right before that. I mean, come on, some bird peril, bird peril, upsetting to
2: me. Upsetting to me personally. I'd rather watch a bird guy fall down a hole than watch a bird. (laughs) (laughs) I like birds. I just like I just don't like watching animal violence.
1: I don't like their talons. (laughs) <laughs> i had a parakeet like on my arm once that sure hurt and it wasn't even doing anything birds are naturally hostile mammals no matter what they do they are always inflicting pain
2: i do like a bird they're fun they're so cute
1: their tweets are barks of pain
2: <laughs> um birds are not mammals by the way
1: <laughs> yeah they got yeah they, they I, had, uh, I had
2: to google it i was like that doesn't sound right
1: besides the laying eggs part they are mammals okay they're
2: not mammals they're avians
1: <laughs> what's an avian
2: it's not a mammal
1: it's my favorite water uh i uh, let's <laughs> <laughs> got him uh, I'm just going to start calling out random things from my notes uh, about this very random movie. You know what Uh, I loved?
2: I I will say really quickly what I loved was that at the end, they were like showing the concert and they were showing all the kids screaming and it was like a lot of teen girls and I was like, ah, yes, of course, the teen girls, blah, blah. And then they just showed two little boys hooting and hollering and I was like, yes.
1: (laughs) Is the Beatles nowadays, are they so universal that they defy the boy music girl music divide or do they belong to a certain sector of of music snob music fan
2: um i think the big conversation and like the discourse about the beatles that always pisses me off like i said i don't have skin in the game but it does piss me off is that like people are always like you know the same people who shit on one direction in sync bts jonas brothers name of all uh the people who love the beatles and i'm like the beatles wouldn't be famous without teenage girls and that's just like to me like that's always what it comes back to i feel like the conversation has been had four billion times now but like people still don't really seem to get it or like want to admit that and um you know like sure they belong to everyone now like i do think the beatles are deeply universal at this point but i don't i do also think that like most men who like the beatles don't want to like they 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 like pretend like you know the Ed Sullivan performance, like, was like, oh, no, everyone was there. And it's like, no, that was a lot of teen girls, you know? Like, teen girls were passing around their music. Teen girls were the ones hyping them up the most. And that is, the to me, like, the discourse always comes back to that. And, like, when there were comparisons between One Direction and The Beatles, people would get so pissed off, like, so pissed off, They'd be like, fuck you. And it's like, you know, even, Paul McCart- as I said, Paul McCartney's on my side now. <laughs> and he's like yeah this was what it was like (laughs) like that's and again i don't think that they like i don't think anyone was even trying to be like they're gonna be exactly like the beatles and they're gonna have their like intense you know i don't think harry styles even holds a candle in terms of talent uh he's got teams he's got teams of writers he's not sitting there writing them all by himself but basically it people would get so pissed off when you would compare them there's like a picture of BTS where they were. The, BTS went on the Colbert Show and did one of their songs in like suits and did their hair down in black and white. And Colbert even dressed up like and had like the audience looking like it literally was an Ed Sullivan performance, basically like recreating the Ed Sullivan performance. Uh, and people were pissed off. And it's like, fuck off.
1: That's, I mean, that does sound annoying as fuck. But it was cute. I mean I guess but it's, it's on also
2: the same, like he has, he's also like on the same stage as the had Sullivan show was.
1: Sure yeah that is true. That is nice. I don't know it, it's just like I, I feel like not I, you're right like we owe the success of so much of what we lay down is like the the pillars of pop culture that shapes all of us like not just in America but like the world over. Yeah. To the rousing enthusiasm of teenage girls. Yeah. I do think like hearing all that one direction shit was just like All I thought about was the label every time every little bit that you were saying like anything that they did. I was like, God, there is someone in that PR department who is like living in the remnants of like little St. James because of all (laughs) the money they made coming up with this plan to just plant the idea. And of course, it's also a testament to the piss poor state of like cultural discourse and like music journalism. where You have like a popular English band. And you're like, "So, are they the Beatles? Are they another Beatles?"
2: <laughs> is it like the Beatles? Like we haven't seen anything like this since Beatlemania and it's like Beatles, yes you have. you've seen this actually like a million times since Beatlemania. Like 4 billion <laughs> times. Like it actually happens probably like once every other year at this point. Like we got to calm down.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like it, it it does strike me as annoying, but the part that's annoying is not what is at the end of the road, which I agree. Like, I think the Beatles at this point are so universal. There's no, like, it's not like, the Beatles aren't, like, on the same pedestal as, like, a Schwarzenegger movie, you know? Uh, (laughs) But there is, I just think of, like, a guy at a liberal arts college who has, like, the long hair and he has the acoustic guitar that he brings out into the middle of the quad and he's singing yesterday. And then someone asks him, oh, you know, how'd you learn that? And they went, (laughs) pfft. I mean, I'm sure you like the Beatles, but like, have you ever really heard "Revolver"? You know, and then you just get into this fucking uh, deep, deep uh, muck of the dude who thinks somehow, some way, because all modern music is fucking shit, dude. The Beatles are underrated now. I think those guys exist in, like, by the by the bundle. Those guys are definitely absolutely around, around way more than I would.
2: In the last week yeah. I've been like Ugh oh, Next
1: it, It's very odd To gatekeep water You know <laughs> <laughs> Like What are you talking about It's the fucking <laughs> It's this the is it. like, This
2: is literally <laughs> Running through Everything we have how I are you gonna, How are you gonna
1: Have the definitive Take on this Sorry, I ahead.
2: Will not amend My statement But I do In 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 tandem With my statement About Beatlemania Happening Like every other Year at this point Because people Just love things And the internet Makes everything Very accessible um, I did see someone pass out after the BTS show, and I said, like, "Same." <laughs> uh, yeah,
1: yeah. You went to this BTS show. You went to a big old stadium concert.
2: They did.
0: I-
1: <laughs> We're like eighty episodes into this podcast. I That's did.
2: a they did. They did. Okay. You went. You went. Uh, I did. I went. Uh huh. Yeah. They did. I went.
0: Uh huh. Okay. All right. Uh, amazing show. (laughs) What do you want me to say? What do you want me to
1: say? (laughs) What do I want you to do? What do you mean? It's been two years of pandemic. There's a new variant out. And finally, finally, you have the sweet release of watching the group that you will not shut the fuck up about for two fucking years. You get to watch them live two nights in a row. So yeah, handing the mic over to I Lehman. <laughs> Let me hear your fucking thoughts.
2: <laughs> it was beautiful. I do love that the Omicron news dropped like day one of the concert, <laughs> and I was like, "Well, first of all,
1: uh huh." Uh-huh.
2: According to the furry immunologist that I follow, I and mean, if I get fucked later, whatever. According to the furry immunologist that I follow on Twitter, who helped develop the Moderna vaccine. It's not a big deal if you're vaccinated, especially if you're boosted. You're going to be fine. Uh, But I did think if I die after the BTS concert, that's fine. (laughs) As long as I got to see it. It was beautiful. Uh, I had a great time. The energy was perfect. And um, I, uh, I now know joy again. <laughs> <laughs> what do I say, Kevin? I don't know. What do you want?
0: What do you want? <laughs> I loved it. I cried. I had the time of my life. <laughs>
2: they
0: performed one of my favorite songs and I just wept. It was a great time. Great time.
1: So, you're right. Uh it is completely useless to compare the Beatles and BTS. Even though many people could, if by like the laziest standards, they are from such different bakeries yes that it's not even worth putting them toe to toe. What I do want to ask you in a comparison's sake though a lot of people you, you talk to like an older person that was into music. Mm-hmm. one of the first things you kind of want to ask them is, so who did you see live like did you did you see, like, Edgar Wright was on an interview trail for Last Night Soho, uh-huh. and he kept talking about how his parents were like, oh, yeah, we saw Pink Floyd live. It wasn't great. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like, a lot of just yeah, casual my, my stuff like that. like,
2: oh, we saw Elvis Costello, and it was terrible. He was this big. And I'm like, yeah, that's going to a, ter- that's going to a concert, Teresa.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but then, you know, once you get those out of the way, you're always like, so, did you ever see the Beatles live? And they're like, couldn't get tickets to that. Like, the Beatles were a cultural moment. Like, yeah. you, you could feel that throughout the entire decade. At this BTS show, did you feel like you were part of a moment or were you watching just a really good act?
0: Well, I mean, there's not only is it, like,
2: you know, it, this is a special circumstance. If I had seen them maybe at, like, If you've been asking me that after, like, the Love Yourself, Speak Yourself tour at the Rose Bowl, maybe my response would have been different. But this was the first concert they had in front of fans in two years. Like, they've been doing uh, online concerts for the last year and a half, obviously. They picked L.A. to do their their first stadium shows in front of fans in two years. So, yeah, like it did feel like I was part of something like and it's like and and like not only was it their first shows in two years, it was like their first shows since they like they've been big for several years obviously. We've known who BTS are for like at, it's at least since like 2018, I'd say or 2019 when Boy With Love came out. But like these were their first concerts as like international superstars, I feel. Like everyone knows who BTS are now because of Dynamite and Butter. Like they it's like their first so it's their first two shows since the pandemic, their first two shows like in America since 2019, but it's also like their first shows as like the biggest band on the planet currently. So yeah, the, like the opening night, I went the first night of the concert and it was like Unbelievable. Like just how nervous and excited they seemed and how everyone in the audience just could like there was just like this understanding, like, oh shit, like we're the ones who get to see this, you know? It's very emotional. It was very nice.
1: Pussy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it was great. It was great. It was great. I screamed and screamed. Like it was cool because it was also like this what the second concert they've had at so fine now. Mm -hmm. they kept like making a big deal where it's like bts like are the first band to sell out sofi and i'm like they're the second band (laughs) who have played it (laughs) so actually no because they were selling tickets for sofi before the pandemic taylor swift sold tickets for loverfest at sofi stadium but then canceled it so maybe i don't know i don't know but it's again it is still like the second band like the rolling stones opened it and then they're like bts sold it out and i'm like well yeah like I don't know. I don't know. I thought that was funny. But no, so if I was terrible, uh, shockingly poorly, uh, no security, terrible management. Awesome.
1: Cool. Love uh, it.
2: N- I mean, I had my Vax card checked and I saw a lot of people getting their Vax card checked, but apparently, like, because BTS starts at 730, like, they're not, they don't have an opener. They're not, like, pushing the time. Like, they're going to be on stage every goddamn second they can be. So... I think they weren't prepared to, like, have everyone be like, no, I need to be in the theater or the stadium at 7.30 p.m. on the dot. So by, like, 7.20, I was in the the stadium already. And at 7.10, I'd say, it was, like, 60% full. Like, people were stuck outside in lines that no one knew where they were going to. People stood in lines and didn't go anywhere, actually. Uh, Parking took 90 minutes to get out the first night. Uh, there were armies directing traffic uh, because there was simply no one there. I almost yelled at a person. I don't yell at people. Like, I, I, it's not my energy. But I was driving through. I actually think I did accidentally yell at them because I had my window down and I was driving through the parking lot. Not a soul was working. I finally drove past two employees who were simply talking and facing away from all the incoming cars. And I yelled, maybe stop fucking talking and do your job. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) It was just like, it was just like, it was kind of scary. Like, like, I know it sounds silly, but it was just (laughs) kind of scary to be, I mean, especially after like Astro World, where like, I don't think anything of that magnitude is about to happen, but like Uh being in a large crowd, you know, in a pandemic, uh, after everyone just witnessed one of the most horrific incidents of, uh, all time, it doesn't feel great to have like no management on the floor whatsoever, (sighs) like anyone working. So that sucked.
1: There are, there are times where it is more than justified to accost an employee. I'm with I think so. you. so.
0: Thank you.
1: With, I, I don't think being mad at an employee is an immediate act of, of disbanding with class solidarity. <laughs>
2: <laughs> like sometimes you're like, hey, like there are oh, thousands, hun- like tens of thousands of people in one space and um, you're not doing your job and no one else is doing their jobs it was very stressful um so if you go to sofi just like prepare to be uh infuriated i got but i got a beer and i launched bts and i had a great time do
1: you have any uh lasting thoughts on a hard day's night uh one of the best films of the 60s that you're wrong about
2: wow i didn't expect (laughs) you to have that reaction honestly but okay but okay
1: uh, you have know, fun time. I want to fight, brother. I want to fight. And If it's I the think... Beatles that gets me to the brawl, then here I come, buddy.
2: I think I would recommend it to someone who hadn't seen it. I'd be like, well, you gotta watch Hard Days Night. I would love to go back in time, and be a Beatles head.
1: Oh, you would. God, I don't want to imagine you as a Beatles head, dude.
2: I would have gone insane. I would have flown to New York for the Ed Sullivan show.
1: You would have been the one that shot John Lennon.
2: No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, fuck John Lennon. Can we get a fuck John Lennon in the chat?
1: <laughs> uh, fuck John Lennon.
2: He's so ugly. It's shocking. <laughs> I was shocked. I, yeah,
1: yeah. That's him. why he's funny.
0: Is it, Kevin?
1: That's why he's I think funny. Ringo's he's got to be funny. Well, yeah, this is also <laughs> true.
2: I just like, I know, like, obviously none of them are very attractive. I mean, Paul's cute, but like, they're, Paul's very cute. Very attractive because it was like the 70s and like that was just kind of hot to be ugly, but like, John Lennon shocked me. Every time he was on screen, I was like, who's this guy? And I was like, oh, it's John Lennon. One of the most iconic figures of the 20th century. And every time he was on screen, I was like, what did they just get a Was this one of their managers? It was oh John Lennon. Ringo, tough, tough to look at, but he's, he's funny, so it's fine. Uh, Paul was a cutie, beautiful eyes, but George... Maybe I guess maybe I just transitioned into hottest of the flick right now. You,
1: yeah, you completely fucking cut. I didn't us. mean
2: to. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to. <laughs>
1: oh my god! Do you want to
2: introduce it and then I can continue? Well,
1: I you have you have firmly uh, just uh, thrust us right into the segment because I know I get it. In twenty twenty one, being ugly is hot is now back in. Yes. So of course, of course, all you got. Is is these little Liverpool sausages on the brain? So just okay. You've already started the conversation. Hottest of the flick, nineteen sixty four, a hard day's night, Richard Lester and the Beatles, carry on.
2: Hottest of the flick, easily couldn't take my eyes off him every time he was on the screen. There was like the grandfather. (laughs) The grandfather. (laughs) There was a moment where he. I don't even... Remember. Like, they were just like... They, like, the way that they shot the film, there were, like, these extreme close-ups on them sometimes. And every time it was on Mr. George Harrison, I gasped. I just let out a little... He looks so cute. He's so handsome. He's so handsome in this movie. Oh, my God. George Harrison, hottest of the flick. I'm gonna Google him right now.
1: Jesus, man. <laughs> It's a full Robert Franco incel arc. <laughs>
2: Stop. He just looks so cute. He, that it, like,
1: motherfucker is the most busted looking Englishman of the group.
2: How dare you say that? That is not true. That is oh not my God. true.
1: Ringo, because Ringo doesn't even look like he's the English. Ringo looks like they just like, they found him in a pond, you know? Like, <laughs> Please. Ringo, they just drudged up from somewhere. Who? Who knows? He's got the eye layman effect, you know? Like, just racially, ethnically ambiguous.
2: (laughs) Just who who could say?
1: He's just a guy. Just, oh, (laughs) Ringo. (laughs) Which also, I learned in this movie, his name is Richard Starkey. Richard
2: Starkey. Starkey.
1: Which I thought was a joke. I thought that was them trying to have a laugh in the movie. And then I Googled it and I realized, oh, no, it's actually just that funny. Mr. Dick Star.
2: (laughs) I just think George's eyebrows are so... I love a man with a good eyebrow.
1: No, I mean, I get it. Like, George looks, like, modern hot. Yeah. Like, I've seen this guy at shows within the last three years. I've seen this dude's figure, his face, maybe not his haircut, but honestly, I think this haircut's making a comeback anyways. I
2: think it is, yeah.
1: You know, he left behind $100 million in his will?
2: I, what's shocking about that?
1: I don't. I, I, I'm not. I mean, just a lot of money. It's just you know the Beatles are famous, but then to like qualify with a lump sum, so we have definitively, so
2: much money. That's crazy. The royalties, Kevin.
1: To be honest, I don't even know if a hundred million dollars. I don't know how I feel because saying it right now does seem a little a little slim. It consider does seem well, a little consider low.
2: inflation at the time. Mm,
1: okay. Hundred mil. 100 mil in 2001. 2001. You can do a 9-11 with that type of money. Stop. <laughs> my Hodge the Flick, I just have a natural affinity towards Mr. Paul McCartney. He's I, so he is, cute. He is my Beatle, you know? Yeah. It's the. It's the everyone has their Beetle imprint no matter what you think of the band or how much you care or not care. You will have a favorite. My favorite all through the years has been Paul McCartney. I always kind of thought uh, that he looked like my dad. And so when I was a kid, I would see pictures of the band oh my God. and I knew my, my dad would always tell me that he was in a band when he was younger. And so when I saw pictures of the Beatles, I was like, dad, was this the band? <laughs> <laughs> was this it? And I had Mexican like, my mom Beatles, had to tell me Los like, Beatles. <laughs> Los Beatles. <laughs> and I had to ask my mom, like, are you sure this isn't dad? And she was like, Nat isn't your dad. <laughs> So I've always seen him in that light since I was a child, and it's only, uh, just it's just existed in my subconscious. That's so cute. That his solo career is so so good. It is wild. It is wild that the blueprint is there. The blueprint exists for any of these like any of these dudes that quit their big acts and go solo. Yeah, Paul McCartney laid out the path of like, guess what? When you're that rich, you don't really have to make music that plays on the radio anymore. No. But folks, people love that bag. They love that bag real hard. (laughs) And Paul McCartney is kind of genius enough to have been able to combine getting the bag with just doing whatever the fuck he wants.
2: Good for Paul McCartney. I like that.
1: I respect it. I'm big into it. Richard Starkey. A little too small for me. I don't <laughs> like him.
2: Well, he's just a little guy.
1: Just a little man.
2: little man. Is that... Did we, did we get the Beatles now?
1: Uh, I think we have sufficiently encapsulated all of the Beatles. Everyone else's conversation about the Beatles, uh, you don't need to have no. it. No. You can actually delete it no from employed. the record. This is, this is it, right? Is there any lasting sentiment about the Beatles that we have left... Not on the table. I don't think so. I think we got it all. Do you like to listen? Do you want to? And after this conversation, are are the Beatles going to be in your your daily rotation, or is this a band that you have enjoyed more after seeing them run around like little hooligans?
2: I did like that. I did. I really. Yeah. Yes.
1: Honestly, it that, endears you. Yeah.
2: It actually endeared me. Like I've never cared much about the Beatles, but watching them do their little running around, I was like,
1: that's cute. You get it. You, you understand why we're fucking obsessed with them. It's this a ideal little, uh, of freedom in an era of uh, constant, constant injustices. Hell and yeah, if baby. You can just have a little bit of effervescent joy. Oh, baby, we're thirsty.
2: Let's have it, folks. I feel effervescent joy to be featured on I versus the Big Boys. And you know what else I feel effervescent joy about? When you send me screenshots of I versus the Big Boys coming up on your Spotify wrapped <laughs> I love that. it. Makes me so happy. Uh, thanks for sending me those. If you haven't, shoot them over. They fill me with joy. And thank you, as always, for listening to I versus the Big Boys on the Merry Ground Magazine podcast network. Please rate, review, subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, on Apple, on Stitcher, wherever you so choose. Please follow Mary Graham Magazine at MGR Magazine on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Big stretch. Please subscribe to the Patreon, patreon.com slash MGRM. Please email us at versus the big boys at gmail.com. Is that it, Kev? Mm,
1: do we sing? Do you want to you do a group sing I a lot? Wanna, I don't want to sing. Hey, June. Come on, join in Come on No, go ahead No, 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 you, you no, lead no, now. You no, you go ahead No, you lead <laughs> I'm leaving the band, fuck y'all
2: Alright then uh- <laughs> Alright, George, have a good night
1: <laughs> Alright, we should never do bits again Bits are uh-
2: Bits are cancelled
1: <laughs> Yeah, bits are cancelled on this show, sorry folks <laughs>
2: Don't be mad, don't be mad at me. No, 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 darling, I can't stop it. Even if I want it, don't be mad, don't be mad at me. No, no, no,
0: no. I miss what you were saying. I was miles away. Don't be mad,
1: don't be mad. Now I got a choice. I was busy thinking about boys, boys, boys. I was busy dreaming about boys! 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 I was better I got about
0: boys! 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 I was busy drive about boys! Boys! Boys!